0: How hail to the victors goes here what do you mean you're trying to think of how hail to the victors goes usually once i hear like the first cymbal crash then i'm like oh yeah let's go and i know it from there
1: <laughs> hail to the no, 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 victors just...
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like I, I i like the the <laughs> band the way the band plays it hold on here hail to the victors band
1: Strong start here, folks. Strong here start. Go,
0: here we go. I'm gonna get this in like two seconds. Oh, oh, this can be loud. Never mind, this is like a full band presentation. <laughs> oh
1: oh we go. Goodness. <laughs> All Canadian. Dun, 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 dun. Congratulations <laughs> to <laughs> myself
0: as the Michigan Wolverines <laughs> are the
1: national champions. Due to some technical difficulties on my end, i I got to brag about this last week, but I didn't get to brag about this last week because uh, technology did its thing, made our lives more difficult than it does easy. And uh, the episode didn't post, but we do have an episode ready to go. Uh, we are going to recut it into the end of today's uh, speech, talk, discussion. But I have to brag about the Michigan Wolverines because I got to do it last week, but I didn't get to do it publicly. I'm a national champion. Congratulations to me
0: and to Connor, all Connor the Michigan Potter. fans out there. It's a, it's a great week for Michigan football, period. Your D- Detroit Lions. won a playoff game what Um, first time since 1992 hung on for dear life
1: hung on for dear life is right
0: don't know what holding or pass interference or unnecessary roughness is (laughs) or roughing the passer yeah (laughs) um no hey you survived the rams and now you get baker and the bucks who are going to be throwing the ball a thousand times down the field
1: Oh, yeah, man, I'm excited. Puka Nakua, 182 yards. Can't imagine what Mike Evans and Baker Mayfield <laughs> are going to do to the Detroit Lions secondary. It is brutal. It is brutal. I
0: can't believe that uh, Aaron Glenn is getting, like, head coaching requests for interviews. I'm like, this man is a sieve of a defense. Why Why would you like to make that the identity of your team? <laughs> what is the, What's the reasoning behind this?
1: Go ahead. If you want Matt Patricia 2.0, go ahead and grab him.
0: Honestly. Um, well, Matt Patricia's had a rough <laughs> rough day. Uh,
1: that was a good move by the Eagles.
0: Yeah, Enjoy it was. Cabo. Enjoy Cabo. <laughs> Cancun on three. Cancun on me. One, two, three. Get the <laughs> hell out of here. Um... No, it's a good weekend for playoff football in general. I was that was a good
1: weekend for playoff football in general. You were chilling because the Ravens have a bye week. So you're just sitting
0: at home watching everybody yes, stress I, out. I did, however, go six for six on picks. Did you? I, I picked the Lions because I figured I should pick and support your team. Appreciate that. Um, I, I called my dad the morning of Cowboys fan, the morning of the Cowboys game to say, you should start sweating right now because you're losing today. Uh, and then I texted my friend Nick, who is a Packers fan, and said 60 40 Packers win percentage if Jair Alexander plays. He played, they dominated, they, they walk away with a win. So, yeah, that happened. Um, no, I look, it was a good weekend. I'm not picking games the rest of the way because it is going to be too emotionally uh attached for me. This is like this is my one big no no is I am out. Unattached.
1: Dude, it sucks. It it actually effing sucks. Like all week, people have been like, oh, are you excited to watch the Lions in their first playoff game? Whatever. Like all week leading up to the game, I was getting questions like that. And I'm like, no. No. I'm not excited. I'm stressed the F out right now. This is a horrible experience. Yep. Like, and it, being being a fan of a team during the playoffs is a horrible experience. You're just stressed out all the damn time. Am I and, excited? They won? Yes. But now I get to stress out about Baker Mayfield this week. So, no. And
0: if the, uh, if the Ravens lose, like, you know how much I have to listen about well, Lamar Jackson doesn't perform in the playoffs. Oh, my goodness. Literally, you're going to have to he's listen to, to his... that from now until next September. He's about to win his second MVP before the age of 27. Wait, he's our age. So, yeah, he just had his birthday. I think he is 27. He's about to win his second MVP in five years, <laughs> six years, five, five really full years. Jeez. Like, this is, this is, Lunacy, um, and for the Ravens, like they just gotta. Literally, I said to Nick, my friend, uh, before the Miami game, I was like, the Ravens could lose forty-two, forty-five, and the conversation would be, "Well, Lamar Jackson should have done more." It's gonna be the same in the playoffs. No matter what he does, that's amazing it will be negative spin on him. Even if the offensive line can't block Will Anderson and the defense for somehow gives up a bajillion yards to Nico Collins, even though Kyle Hamilton will be active and roaming the secondary. Sorry, Connor, but your Michigan man is going to learn what a real academic school looks like.
1: I'm sorry. I'm sorry. (laughs) Nico Collins is also a national champion this week. Yeah. So
0: Kyle Hamilton's a national champion every week because he has a Notre Dame education.
1: I am untouchable. I'm gonna be the most annoying Michigan fan for the like the next year because for the for the next 365 days, I am untouchable. It doesn't matter what you say. Doesn't matter what no, it doesn't matter. I'm still a national champion. It does not matter what anybody says for the next 365 days because until they are not. The Michigan Wolverines are the national champions, and thus that is what I get to say to everything the next 365 days. Yeah, but we're national champions. That's what I get to say.
0: Oh man, um...
1: I I guess we should get to the real news—the moment or the reason as to why we pushed record on this podcast today. MBT the man in town for the Edmonton Elks, they just got a brand new weapon for that locker room. Man, egg on my face once, now egg on my face twice. I'm over here cooking up a whole omelet with all the egg on my face because I said what's in it for MBT as the quarterback, what weapons do they have? Well, now they have a whole freaking lot of weapons so yeah i guess i'm eating a whole lot of crow right now
0: um yeah kind of i i'm really interested in this move on toronto's part like you had a pretty stacked d line and curly getting junior was a pretty big weapon i understand that you have so many weapons and so many defensive linemen you're like okay Defensive linemen we rotate throughout the game. Receivers not as much. Maybe let's stack up with another key piece like Ceresna. Um But Edmonton moving money around like crazy because Ceresna was due a huge bonus this upcoming week, I think. And now they get him out of town, bonus off the books, and they bring in a cheaper Curly Gittins Jr. for this year. Um, they're stacking up, but Connor. There's an offensive line that needs some work. Now they're gonna have some questions. And I understand like Chris Jones will scheme up the defense. And he's probably betting on himself to do so, trading away a piece like Suresna, But I uh interested to see how this defense looks now without a huge piece of it.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm gonna be really interested to see what happens defensively for these Edmonton Elks as well. You're you like you said, Jake Suresna, you're losing, you know, Basically the heartbeat of your defense, really. Um, you know, they were they were down a defensive interior defensive lineman and Jamin Pelley last year, too, who uh, you know, battled through a bit of an bit of an injury situation. He's gonna be back. Obviously, he's gonna be tasked with a bigger role, one could assume now with the departure of Cerezna. But from an offensive standpoint here, looking at these Edmonton Elks, obviously. Wide wide receiver room now, you know, becomes stacked. Uh, the, the situation with, with Manny Arsenault is still up in the air. Hasn't officially re-signed yet. They have Gavin Cobb, Curly Gittins Jr. now, G- Gino Lewis, Dylan Mitchell, Kyran Moore in the backfield. Kevin Brown did his thing last year with MBT quarterbacking what is now a a stacked offense, on paper do you have any concerns what is the outlook in your opinion what are the expectations like realistically if i'm an edmonton fan sitting at home what should my excitement be meter what should my excitement meter be here on a scale of like one to ten
0: if i'm an edmonton elks fan my excitement meter is western conference Final. If I am realistic, my expectations are contending in the West semifinal. But Saskatchewan's going to be a good team. Calgary's going to be feisty. BC hasn't gone anywhere. Winnipeg hasn't gone anywhere. So you really have a tough outlook on your season because that Western Conference is loaded with talent. It's loaded with teams that are going to be fighting to try and get to that spot. DC and Winnipeg are there. Calgary has been falling short in a couple of years in the playoffs. Corey Mace now has a new outlook in Saskatchewan. So if I'm so a you, fan, I'm like, holy crap, we can make the West final. If I'm looking at this realistically, I'm like, maybe they make it as the three seed.
1: So you think the addition of McLeod Bethel Thompson now as, at quarterback and Curly Gittens Jr., propels Edmonton into the conversation for a division leading team or a sorry playing in at least you know the Western final.
0: Uh I I think more is, is that more the realistic. impact that these guys can have? It's the impact McLeod Bethel Thompson can have. I think that's the main issue. Um yes they have Curly Gittins Jr. now but they still have lots of guys that can make plays downfield beforehand. It was just, they had the question of quarterback. And when they finally went to Trey Ford, it was, oh, good. But it was too little too late. And we, we realized that at the time, Uh, I think having an MBT upright from day one in this year, like if I'm telling you, you added a top end quarterback to any roster in football, you're going to at least say, oh yeah, they'll make the playoffs and be feisty. But in the CFL, like, you win one playoff game and you're in the West Final. You're in the East Final. It just takes one. So, can I see McLeod Bethel-Thompson squeaking their way into the playoffs and then either playing a close game to a loss or straight up winning and upsetting? Yeah, I could see McLeod Bethel-Thompson absolutely doing that. With the guys he has he has at his disposal. It's not, not impossible to see that world. Mind you, it's also possible to see the world where they don't have a solid O-line. He goes down early and they're back to square one. And if I'm Trey Ford, I'm trying to get out before that happens because if he's going to get hurt. I'm going to be running for my life too.
1: Yeah, no, 100%. And I, I guess that kind of, Um, you know, there's, there's two routes I want to take this conversation. And so I'll wrap up on the Edmonton Elks stuff here first with, uh, with a question that brings me to, so the Edmonton Elks, obviously we know they hold the number one overall pick in this year's CFL draft. So if you're Edmonton, what are you doing with that? Are you taking your chance on a guy like a Gabe Wallace, a Theo Benedet, Giovanni Manu, or are you going to kind of trade back and wait for a talent like Justin Sambu on the defensive line to, to slot in and hopefully replace and and help lift some of the load of the loss of Jake Cerezna. Uh,
0: I think, I think realistic, uh, is Theo Benedett. I think a sneaky good pick for them would be a Daniel Bell, a long rangy secondary player that, you know, you can just get your hands on if you're Chris Jones um, I
1: think you can do that though. I, I think it is also
0: pick, but they have the number one pick in the second round. So I think you can do Yeah, and know, I think know, I think on. a realistic second round pick for them. I was just about to say could be Daniel Schoen. stay home, stay in Alberta. Yes. Um solidify the interior of the line. He's a monstrous human being who is technical, familiar with the area. It's gonna be an easy adjustment. Oh wait, and you have Mark Cordy, who I'm sure he's familiar with. There to help out. Okay,
1: so you so you think the play is with the number one overall pick to go offensive line, then and make sure make damn sure that you are going to protect the guy that you just paid some money for and expect to lead you to the promised land.
0: Is it is it unrealistic to say they do what Ottawa did two years ago and go O line O line and then top the draft Pelios and uh, Cyril? Why
1: not? There is a lot of good offensive linemen here. So there are, you and, know, let's say Theo Benedit at one. Then if we look at who is sitting around, kind of the, you know, eight to nine to, to twelve spots. Giovanni Man, or sorry, yeah, Giovanni Manu, eighth ranked offensive lineman. Anim Dankwa, eleventh ranked offensive lineman.
0: Now that's the interesting one because we've talked about him being a guard fit at the next level. Or like, between you and I, we've talked about Aneem Dankwa shifting into that guard slot. Um, I don't know if that is like the body type that you want. If you're trying to bring in like a sixth O line or someone to start right mm-hmm. away, do you want someone that has to be on the interior, or do you want that ultimate flex body type like a John Boss or uh Daniel Johnson or? Like Dumas Lane, Duguay, or Cooper Hamilton—like one of these guys that can fit multiple spaces on your O-line. What do you want to do if you're Chris Jones?
1: Yeah, no, I agree. That is that is really what it comes down to, and it's tough to tough to judge right now, um, without having seen their feet in person. I think that that really the ultimate decider is getting them to the CFL Combine, seeing the feet, seeing how they you know move and look in person in pads. In some of these one-on-one situations. Now, the other thing that I do want to get to here, we were talking about Trey Ford, so I want to circle back to that con. I want to circle back to that conversation right now and stir the pot some more because there are some reports coming out from Farhan Lalji. The Ottawa Redblacks have reached an agreement with quarterback Jeremiah Masoli, but not necessarily to be the starter. So there is going to be some quarterback competition in Ottawa. Obviously, this would this would mean Ottawa would have to trade for Trey Ford, and I don't think if you're Edmonton, you want to give up a valuable asset like that. I do think that MBT is Come going to be the- Trey Ford's going to learn from MBT, and he's going to be a very valuable backup this Sean year. Sean
0: Burke, roll the dice, baby, <laughs> but
1: dude. If uh, if Missoli's not going to be the guy. Maybe it's Dustin Crumb. Maybe they go out and get free agent guy like Drew Brown.
0: Oh, I was just going to say, I've seen, I have seen uh, our lovely friend Det say, Drew Brown music. And Uh, you know what? Maybe this is the intro for Drew Brown music. But I think for Mazzoli, like back to back years with major injuries, you can't, you can't come in at your same price value after that. Like at your age, two major injuries on top of your injury history, this rework had to be done for you to Mm. stay on the roster. And I, I think, you know what, it'll be a good competition because I know Jeremiah Mazzoli is not going to go quietly into the dark. He's going to give them every single reason to be their starting quarterback. And you know what, Connor? If I have a discounted Jeremiah Mazzoli, it's kind of good for roster building. Absolutely. Do I get do I get a quarterback like a Trey Ford or a Drew Brown? Does Drew Brown even want to go there without the guarantee of him being the starter? I don't know because he's shown that he can play in this league. If I'm Trey Ford, do I want that chance? Hell yeah, I do. I'm gonna keep hammering away at this, but no, I think Drew <laughs> Brown. Drew Brown is is likely um, someone they're gonna reach out to. Does he want to go without the promise of you're the dude? Because we know M B T didn't sign without that promise, and we know there's other quarterbacks in the league that have looked at like, if I'm going here, I need to play. Like I'm not yeah. going here to sit on the bench. I can do that where I am now.
1: Well, and Ottawa's going to be a tough situation for for quarterbacks to try to bring in quarterbacks, knowing that Jeremiah Masoli is sitting there with a chance to play. Because I think you know part of this going on with Masoli and Ottawa right now is Ottawa is saying you know okay you're not gonna we're not gonna name you. The number one quarterback right now but that doesn't mean we're not going to name you the number one quarterback for opening day and Jeremiah Masoli could very well come into camp and look like the dude that we know him to be And and if that's the case it's really hard to not start number eight on opening day if you're the Ottawa Red Blacks I'm sorry but you know if, if Masoli is playing like jeremiah massoli that we all know and love that is one of the best quarterbacks of the cfl
0: I, a part of me just is really hoping that he can come back like 80 90 percent after the, after the two seasons of injuries like you just want a guy like that to be able to go out on good terms right you don't want to you don't want to end on that sour note that dark note mm-hmm. we talked about that when he got hurt like man, this might be it. But now that we know it's not, I'm really on the edge of my seat. Like He's got to play. He's got to play. He's got to show out. And if he leaves it all on the field, he leaves it all on the field, whether that comes home in a championship or missing the playoffs. If he leaves it on the field, he leaves it out there. And that'd be so cool to see for him.
1: It would, man. I I, I want to see more Jeremiah Masoli. I do not want him to leave before his time is up. He's an electric football player. I, I do love watching him play. So um, it's going to be fun. There's going to be a quarterback battle. It's just a matter of who it's going to be between, but we know Jeremiah Masoli is going to be involved. I think that's it for the news that we have to kick off this episode. Now we are going to have a little fun on the back end of this episode. So just to kind of give you all a bit of a brief overview on what we're doing in the second half of this podcast, Wade and I are going through the draft 100, as we do every year. But we're going to do it a little bit differently this time. We're going to be deep diving different positions. We're going to be going by we're going to be going position by position, and really deep diving on some of the players that we're liking. And just kind of the the overall feel of each position group. Not my pick. I promise you all, and I do say this in the episode, not my pick. We are kicking it off with the defensive back group because it is loaded.
0: Daniel, freaking bell, (laughs) baby. Um, Enjoy the episode. We will be bringing more positional groups uh, instead of kind of doing the top enders, bottom who we think is asleep or this and that. We're just doing it by position group this year to change it up. Enjoy the start of what's going to be a positional group breakdown. I have to warn you guys, we probably aren't going to do kickers or quarterbacks because we've got a few quarterbacks and a couple kickers, but the kickers we have, we've covered a at length probably over the last couple of years in the U sports season. Um, but with that being said, here it is. So enjoy the start of our new positional group breakdowns. No, we're here. We're ready to talk. And we've we've decided we're going to kind of, I don't know, I guess start draft breakdowns by looking at it through position groups. I think every year we've kind of done like, oh my God, who are our sleepers outright? Who are our top end guys outright? Who, who do we think is a fit for this team? And we kind of go through that way. But um, as a change of pitch, we're going to look at it positionally so today's gonna be DBs. spoiler alert
1: i didn't pick this one just for everybody listening i know everybody's like oh yeah did. connor get his way i didn't pick it
0: Wait i here. suggested shall we start with the defensive backs and connor said yeah oh, i'm not <laughs> sure. gonna say no but i'm just <laughs> saying
1: i didn't pick it
0: well with the nathan rorkoff like we, we can't really talk quarterbacks I'm not really ready to talk running backs yet because that's a more in-depth offensive line. I feel like we've talked enough during the year and I don't know, we like DBs. So let's go DBs.
1: I like it. I like it a lot.
0: (laughs) So do you want to start with like the top end guy who you admire?
1: Uh, A top end guy that's not named Kevin Victome? Sure. Sure. (laughs) Ah, uh, yeah, no, I'll, I'll stay away from Kevin McTomin. I think because he gets a lot of love on this podcast, uh, like deserved a lot of deserved love on this podcast. Um, but one of my top end DBs, and you know, I made the joke of of staying away from Kevin Victome because I talk about him too much. But talk about this guy a fair amount too, and that is Daniel Bell. I think he is one of three. I, I'm not naming the third because I'll leave him for you to talk about, but I think he is one of the three true top, top defensive backs in this class. Uh, we saw him at the the East West bowl. He was all over the field. He can play wherever you need him to in your defensive secondary. Um, you know, he was a leader right away at the East West bowl. He's a leader on the back end of that Mount a defense. He makes things happen. He flies around. He's a big body, really smart player. Uh, I really like everything about Daniel Bell's game. I think he's going to be a really intriguing draft prospect.
0: I uh, when we look at Daniel Bell, is there a guy that it kind of reminds you of in years past, like body wise, play wise? Hmm. That's tough because, really. like, he plays all you know. <laughs> I want to say Jackson Finley because Jackson Finley is the same style, but (laughs) Jackson Finley is next year's guy to drool over. Um, No, I just, I just think that with, uh, with his size and ability to kind of make plays at the ball, like does he kind of get that Mark Antoine de Croix? Like it's a completely different style of player. Like I don't think he comes close to Mark's speed or range, but in terms of just sheer get to the ball and force turnovers level, like does I, that kind of work?
1: Yeah, here, I'll, I'll give you, now that you've got the wheels turning a little bit, I'll, I'll give you, uh, I do like it. Uh, I do like the comp. One that I think maybe is a little bit closer uh, for, for Bell, Nick and or Noah Hallett. I think he's uh, I think Noah Hallett
0: Noah pretty Hallett comparable really
1: to a, to one of the Hallett brothers. Yeah, I think we go with Noah Hallett.
0: That's a good pick. Um, and Noah Hallett, mind you, a guy that has had some injuries the last couple of years, but looks to be still a member of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers and will probably contribute at a pretty big level next year, um, behind his brother Nick. Where I think he differs from Noah though. Noah switched from a half to safety. I could see Daniel either sticking at safety or switching to will. Just given his physical abilities.
1: Yeah, no, no, I, I agree. I agree. He he does have that size. He does have the coverage ability. Uh, he's a fun player. He's a really fun player.
0: Um, okay. I'm going to kind of jump into my next hey, NFL comp. Now I'm thinking of this for Daniel Bell, my guy, Kyle Hamilton.
1: Yes. Yes. You can move him in the
0: box. You can play him up high. You can just kind of trust him to play in man coverage. I think Daniel Bell, I th- think the reason we really like him as a prospect, Connor, is the positionless football that we've talked about.
1: Yeah, for sure. But
0: as we saw last year with DBs, like that gets you drafted. Where does it get you in the CFL? Because that's a different question, a different player taking on that role. Um, okay. My guy, he's not versatile. In the way of Daniel Bell or a Cal Hamilton. But you know what this guy is? A straight up lockdown corner. Louis Laveau, Carlton yes. Ravens. Technically, he will turn every single eye in change of direction drills at the combine. We're gonna watch him get into position work and we're gonna watch him get into um even just like his shuttles and his T-runs and like just kind of the quick bursts. Athletic ability, and you're gonna be like, whoa, this guy moves at a different speed coming out of his break. Like it is rare to see a guy this smooth and to have that little drop-off as you're going into change of direction. Um pair that with ball skills, pair that with aggressiveness, pair that with the swagger we know what corners have to have to make plays. Uh, I think Louis Laveau is if we're looking at last year where baggy Yogo was like this hyper athletic raw material, Louis Laveau is this ultra refined. and Yeah. You might sacrifice a little bit of athleticism from baggy Yogo in terms of him just being a straight freak. Louis Laveau matches him level for level because he is so much more refined and polished.
1: Yeah. I, I, I really like his game and you know, it's, tough for me to say nice things with Carlton Ravens, but I really do like the way that he plays hey. that corner position.
0: Okay. Oz, we're talking DBs. We're talking Carlton Ravens. You're talking GGs. Now we forgot to mention off the hop that Denny Ferdinand, uh, brother of Kasim Ferdinand who plays DB. Well, Denny plays DB for Ottawa now because he has transferred from the Ravens to the GGs. So next year, Panda game. We're going to get Cassine against his brother Denny. Ferdinand on Ferdinand crime. That is some going to way, be a shape fun. Form. That is going like, to be a that fun. is going to be a fun matchup. And if Louis Laveau and Kevin Victome get drafted and sent back, think of the talent that is going to be on the field in the Panda game next year. <laughs> Holy hell! Not to mention, uh, I believe Ben Miracle going back. Not to mention Josh Jansen has been repping with uh, QB Motion, the quarterback coach on everyone's hot list right now in Canada. So we'll see. It's exciting.
1: It is going to be really exciting. It will be super exciting. Back to the Raven that we were talking about on this list, our draft list, Louis Laveau. I do really like his game. Uh, I, I really like the way he plays that corner spot. I'm really excited to see how he's going to match up against some of these receivers when we get to the combine, because yeah, there's a whole heck of a lot of talent at the DB spot, but man, there's some really good wide receivers that are going to be at this combine as well. So I'm excited to see, you know, how he's going to match up against a guy like Nick Mardner, a guy against a guy like Tanner McLaughlin. Yeah. If he shows up Uh, against a guy like, you know, most in Jamal. Del Duncan
0: Busby, like, I think is the matchup. I, I want to see with Louis Laveau.
1: AK Gaz, Deshaun Mims. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Like I want to see Louis go against the pure speed guys. I know that you get to do that in OUA with Savon and Mo Jamal, but like, it's different when you're going against guys you've never seen before. And I guess Louis was yeah. at the East-West Bowl last year, Um, but Gassama, uh, like those guys, they're going to bring a different animal towards this. And, before we leave Louis Connor, I made the comp to Baggiogo. If I told you Louis Laveau goes late second round in the draft, would you be shocked? No, not at all. Not at all. Baggiogo went mid-second round last year. We currently have Louis Laveau slotted 15th, spoiler, uh, in the draft 100 before we move it around a bit. It's about the same spot. Mid second yeah. round.
1: No, I, I don't think that's a bad spot for him to go at all. And I believe he's gonna be able to, to be a tenacious special team here too.
0: Hell yeah. So <laughs> on that, we uh we can kind of go to like the mid-rounders where we get a lot of these uh special team freaks, really guys that you could see growing into a role in coverage, but guys that are just going to make plays downfield on teams and uh, end up making a huge difference for your roster.
1: Yeah, there is a... In these kind of like middle-round, middle-tier type of, type of players that we're looking at, there is a lot, still a lot of talent in this group. I'm going to keep saying it. We're going to keep saying it because it's true. But who are the guys? Who are these kind of... um mid-tier defensive backs that you're looking at, or at least one of them?
0: Connor, Richard to do before. Man, <laughs> he is long. He is aggressive. He, on special teams, Connor, he's going to be able to cover ground so well. And having his long frame, you know, people might be able to get under him in terms of blocking leverage at some point. but he's just going to beat you to the point of attack. And when it comes time to bench a blocker off of you, he's going to be putting you three yards away from this frame. Have fun blocking him when your arms can't even touch his chest. Like I I think Richard do before in the right situation could grow to be quite the talent defensively, but instant impact, put him out on specials, let him run, let him be that aggressive freak and just kind of dominate someone uh, with his God-given talents.
1: Hard to argue with that pick. I mean, he's long, he's strong, he is going to be, like you said, a damn good special teams prospect. And hey, he's coming out of Western, never hurts anything when you're going to the pros and you're like, Oh, yeah, I'm a Western Mustang, and they're like, Oh, yeah, okay,
0: <laughs> come with me, gets you drafted. Um, but no, if we're talking about a dude before, like what I think separates him, uh, from that top group of the tks of the louis of the uh daniel Bell is he, because he is so long i think getting out of breaks like it's it's tougher it's a bigger ask for him and while he he still looks pretty smooth out of breaks i think the the difference of him getting out compared to louis is what separates them from being that like top round to the, to the mid-round. There's nothing wrong with being a mid-round talent. like With his size and the way he plays and his dedication to getting better each year that we've seen at Western, he'll be able to stick like nothing at the next level.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. But I'm going to keep moving it along here. Uh, still talking about some of these kind of mid-tier guys. Guy that I've got my eye on and make fun of me all you want. There's one every year. I have to talk about a defensive player from the Montreal Caribbean and why not? They are the Vanier Cup champions. uh, One of, if not the best defensive unit, arguably in U sports last year, very aggressive unit. So I'm going to take a guy off of that aggressive unit. Kalen St. Sir, the defensive back from Montreal. Again, I really like everything that he brings to the table. I like the way that he attacks the ball in the air. He's got quick feet, clean hips. Really like his play style, and I do think he's going to be able to transition. I do think he's going to transi- he's gonna be able to transition and play those special team spots
0: as well. Well, it's not going to take him very long to get to training camp as he's probably going to be a selection from the Montreal Alouettes. Can we can we pencil that in? He's our caravan. He's our Four, top third in the draft. <laughs> Third round. They're going to jump the gun to get him. Um, no, I, I like St. Cyr a lot. Uh, clearly has a big leadership role with the Caribbean as well. So um, just kind of some of those intangible traits that you look for when drafting players and going through this process. He, he certainly carries a lot of them. Um, he's downhill. And I know we talked about this with Daniel Bell. Like St. Cyr's got got some good range. But does he have safety range or does he have will range? And I think the way he kind of played um, certainly at the Vanier Cup, like, I, I think he is leaning more into that will transition. Like, I, I struggle with this because I see body types and I'm like, oh, well, if I'm building a stupidly fast defense, I would definitely want you to be playing will. But if I don't have a stupidly fast defense and I have, say, an average defense, maybe you come in as a rotational piece at safety and and you just grind on special teams until your time is called. But if we're talking like Marc-Antoine Croix saying he's going to the Alouettes, that speed to St. Cyr's speed, I think you certainly have to look at moving him inside, um, which a lot of these DBs end up shuffling position anyways when they they get to that next level. But I like your pick of St. Cyr. He's definitely going to be able to be a five tool player on teams like KOR, kickoff, punt, punt return, field goal return, or even field goal if you wanted him as a wing, like he could potentially fill in on a speed team or something. So, um, excited to see his outlook as one of these combine guys as well because we know he's going to be at one of the combines. We just aren't sure which one.
1: <laughs> yeah, we'll have to wait and see for that, but he is a versatile player. So, I, I, Really am confident that we are going to see something from him. But as we start to look into guys that could be, you know, later round picks, sleeper type picks, do you have a sleeper pick defensive back that you want to let everybody know about?
0: I'm jumping the gun because he's also a kicker. Jonathan Justini. (laughs) Yes. If we're in the late rounds, Connor, you want someone who's going to contribute right away on special teams. We know he's going to be able to do that. Oh, wait, and he could also be an emergency kicker if you got into some kind of issue or wanted some kind of trick play where you you have him on punt team every time, but all of a sudden he lines up in a random formation on the field and you get the ball out to him and you were able to pooch kick it back the other way to an onside. I don't know how it would work, but it would be some kind of cool gadget play to see like, I don't know, if I'm the punter, I catch it, I throw it to Justini quick, all of a sudden, we have five extra guys onside and he kicks it back and forth. Like, that would be a wild gadget play to pull off. But I'm just kind of thinking, like, theoretically, he's going to be able to contribute. He can tackle. He can move. He's got that pro experience with coach Chris Morris. And he can kick a ball really well from both place kicking, kickoffs, and punting. So, um, when we talk late round talents, we talk special teams value. I don't think anyone carries more of that than Justini.
1: Dual threat athlete. He is a dual threat athlete. He it, it, also, not to mention his four interceptions, tied for number one in the nation this year. He's a freak. He's an absolute freak.
0: Uh, yeah, no, he, uh, he's something else. So I don't know. I. When we think about these, as we've done more and more of these draft 100s and looked at more drafts um, since becoming CFP uh, and doing All-Canadian stuff, the more I have moved away, I think you have too, just as we've grown, moved away from like, wow, look at how many tackles this guy has. Look at how many stats he has to like, okay, how does he actually transition when he gets that next level game? Because we know how good players can be at the U sports level and they just don't don't align don't fit with what's happening at the cfl and now i think we kind of realize like yeah you know he may not be able to play safety like at the next level given the speed but holy crap he's gonna make someone a lot of money on special teams and there's nothing wrong with that
1: no i i think that's one of the biggest things that we always say about the cfl draft too is that it's a lot different than the NFL draft because there is so much more special teams value to be found in the CFL draft than the NFL draft. I think a lot of these guys, and not to say that it's not true in the NFL too, but a lot of these guys are getting their Jersey numbers because of how they play special teams.
0: Mm -hmm. And it's a big thing. And, We'll talk about it certainly more. Maybe we'll do, like, after our positional values, we'll do, like, a top special teamers.
1: Hell yeah. Because, you ben know... Ben Hadley.
0: <laughs> okay. Spoiling your pick for DB late rounders. <laughs> Go ahead.
1: Well, but no. Ben Hadley's a kicker. Same school, though. Same school. Oh, sorry,
0: sorry, sorry. Semi-spoiling Same school. your pick. Um, I do want to actually mention, speaking of Ben Hadley because we, we did receive a very nice message from Mr. Ben Hadley. Um, just kind of shouting out how how nice it is to see some AUS athletes get some recognition. Um, we try. We try a lot to get these guys involved because there's a ton of talent out there. I mean, we started the conversation with Daniel Bell today and we're going to end it with the same effects DB. Um, there's a lot of talent out there and because it is not... As nationally recognized in terms of like the Montreals and Saskatchewans and Laval's and Westerns. It doesn't get the love of in the postseason. But there's a ton of guys out there. There's a ton of guys that are gonna make this list this year as well, as we kind of do like a metal look at who we kind of have sitting up. Um it's a good talent pool. It's just uh not overly talked about. So we try. Mm-hmm. And Connor's gonna do his best to cap us off with his second AUSDB.
1: Second AUSDB. DB. I love the AUS. I love the AUS. Uh, just before I do get into this guy too, though, like to circle back to the Ben Hat. To circle back to the to the Ben Hadley thing. When you have the right leg of a cyborg, we're gonna talk about you. We're gonna talk about you. He's one of the best kickers in the nation right now. Um, regardless of conference, man. Guy can kick a football. But yes, I am going to end the episode with a with another AUS player. Uh, I have mentioned him on the show before, so some of you might know what's coming, but my late round value slash sleeper slash player to keep your eyes on DB specific here is Brandon Martin from St. FX. I thought he had a really, really good year. Again, another guy that's really versatile is always around the football. Um, You know, I mean, we said we weren't, we had, we had just said we have kind of slowed down on the stat surfing a little bit, but I am going to stat surf here. Seven PBUs on the season for Martin, but I do like the PBU stat because that tells me, He's around the ball. You can when finish. the ball is in the air, he's making the play on the ball. Two interceptions, seven PBUs. That is nine recorded times this season his hands have been on the football.
0: And I think, well, like, we used to love PBUs. <laughs> I still love PBUs. But, no, like, uh, you're finishing the play. Like, yeah, they may have gotten you beat with a great throw or a great route or – there may have been some kind of busting coverage. You're getting there and you're finishing the play. You're not letting it just be a completion where maybe some guys like, I don't know, you don't want to say punt, but maybe they get overly aggressive and jump for a pick, or maybe they just go for the tackle because they know they're late. No, you're, you're being adamant that you're going to finish this play out the right way, kind of save your team from, from surrendering yards. And uh, when it comes down to it, PBU's could be just as valuable as a pick. Maybe it's not a momentum changer, but it could be just as valuable in terms of field position, in terms of generating some energy on your defense. Um, I don't know. I I think I think they're certainly a huge part that uh, people need to look at more. I agree. I
1: agree. But you can't look into stats too too much because a guy like Kevin Victorium, you look at his stats, you're like, uh, there. Nobody like throws whatever. at him, so he has no. Because nobody throws <laughs> the kid. Nobody throws it's because nobody throws at him. Yeah. Nobody gives him a chance. I wouldn't <laughs> chance it either.
0: No, well, I talked to you like when we were when I was at the UFD game for Labor Day and they got a they got the pick and they're sitting on like the 30 yard line. First play, they throw it up one on one against against TK. Almost gets picked, and I'm like, what are you doing?
1: Bad idea. Second
0: second down. Throw it up one on one against TK. I'm like, that's an even worse decision. You're compounding it. And then they go, ah, oh, well, I guess we got we can't score a touchdown on this drive. Like, what? You just targeted the best DB in the country twice in one on one, and you're you're just gonna end up like, ah, oh well, that was the offense.
1: You're gonna have a bad what, time doing that.
0: What processing makes you think that that's a good choice? I'd be like the little ESPN analytics graphic. Analytics says to not do it. Not <laughs> analytics says do
1: not throw the ball at TK.
0: <laughs> punt,
1: <laughs> punt.
0: Safer option. <laughs> but no, I I, uh, I think our DB group is different. Like last year, I think we could say we were spoiled. This year has a lot of big playmakers but guys that come with individual questions. Like last year, we were like, well, yeah, he's big, big and long and fast. Oh, well, the next guy's big, long and fast as well. Oh, well, the third guy's big, not quite as long, but he's way stronger. Okay, well, the fourth guy, he's short, but, well, he runs fast than all of them and he has the best coverage skills. So that kind of evens out. Like this year, I think there's legitimate concerns about each guy. Um, but with that, they're all their own unique playmakers. And it creates a lot of diversity when we're looking at kind of draft boards and what style fits what team and where do we see these guys kind of playing out in the long run of their careers. I think that closed the episode. Are we, yeah, are I think we yeah, we're, we're wrapping, wrapping this up. puppy?
1: Yeah, I, right. I mean, I don't have any more. Uh, well, I do. There's so many DBs we didn't talk about. There's some sneaking around, but uh, there's still lots of time to get in the into those guys.
0: Yeah, we'll just definitely do the beginning
1: work. of draft season
0: <laughs> um, with that being said we're looking forward to it we're looking forward to all the coverage that we are hoping to bring some interviews as well um, at fox40shop.com we are so thankful for their everlasting support so make sure to head to fox40shop.com check out the worldwide leader in whistle tech 15% off if you use the code CFP15 at checkout To make sure you get in on coaching boards, merchandise, nautical equipment, you name it—they've got it. The highest of quality. So, fox40shop.com, cfp15 for 15% off your order.